Uh, well, we're squeezing in one one last episode here before the new year. What do we got? Like less than forty eight hours now till till New yep. Year's coming up on it. It's been a minute since we've done an actual podcast, but you know, through the holidays, it's just kind of hard to link up with people. And yeah, we're back. Yeah, at ep- it, so I'm ready to go and jump in and got some exciting things for next year coming up around the corner as well. Yeah, some stuff planned. You know, people are busy. People are traveling. I know Evan, you went to your to your wife's family in Georgia and you were gone for a handful of days and we were originally going to record this uh, last week but our guest went under the weather a little bit pushed it out luckily we're able to squeeze it in here before before the new year turns over and uh, before we before I let Evan introduce our guest today which you can probably already see him sitting there hanging out because the logo's gone now but um, welcome everyone to the Aged Out podcast I'm one of your hosts Mike Fantini and with me as always is Evan Worrell And uh, if you're listening on podcast services, go check out the YouTube channel. We have all kinds of other content there. If you're on the YouTube channel, you know you want to listen in the car stuff. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Um, Check us out on social media. Never miss an update or new episode or new content we release. You know, Facebook, Instagram, it's just Aged Out Podcast. And uh, go to patreon.com slash Aged Out Podcast if you want to support us financially at all. (sighs) Now I can take a deep breath. Evan, I'll let you take it, and we'll just get into this thing and see where it goes. Boom. So yeah, joining us, you can see from the title, a gentleman that I've spent a couple long, grueling, and uh, successful summers with, but Lee Bettis. Welcome, man. Thanks for hanging out. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, the man of way there. up north. Uh, I just I, got drilled with cold weather and like negative 45 degree wind chills, but you're probably like laughing at us southerners like, what? Uh, I was cold here too, same thing, although it's, it's snapped the last couple of days now and and yeah, last week I was very much under the weather. <laughs> I was in bed for like a good 24 to 32 hours, I think, probably. That's never well, fun. You look great now. You've, you look healthy. You sound healthy. We're glad that we can make it work. And we, uh, awesome. we snapped. We snapped too. We went from like negative six to today. It was like 66. So yeah, it was wild within like a day or two. There's the weather. We always end up on the weather at the beginning of these somehow. <laughs> it always comes up. I purposefully avoided it at the beginning. Now, this one's on you, Evan, not me. It's always topical, but (laughs) being Canadian, I always hear the weather, so. (laughs) But uh, we're glad to have the Canadian in the house, which is kind of fascinating because as we were talking about before we even started, you said that there's not really a startup in Canada the way that we have in the States. So how did you get into drum corps and how did that just start your long, illustrious (laughs) career? Yeah, so I mean... uh, Basically, uh, we were at school. Uh, I was at school, and um, this organization came around to each of the classrooms. I was in grade four back then. So I would have been, what, nine years old, probably, right? Is that about right? And, right. Uh, and they came around, and uh, they were like, hey, we happen to practice at this school every you know, Tuesdays and Sundays, something like that. And uh, I, was, I lived right around the, the corner from the school, and... I came home and I was like, I told my, my parents, I'm like, hey, I'd like to go check this out on Tuesday night. And that was it. And I, I went to my first rehearsal and I was hooked right into it. You know, I played, uh, and we, and in Canada, we don't really have any high school bands for the most part. It's, or, or even any marching bands. It, that's, uh, that's definitely not a thing up here. It's more independent groups. And back then we had a bunch of, bunch of little drum corps, and much like the U.S. did as well, right? Everybody had, there was all these little drum corps all over the place. And that's kind of where I started. Yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody recently made like a, a chart graph of how many active cores there were over 
years yeah. from like 1960 to current. And one year there was like a hundred and I was like, what? Yeah. But right. I mean, that makes sense. There were so many, like you're talking about little pockets of cores, div one, div right. two, div three back then. Um, and very regional too, right? There was a bunch like in my area that I grew up in, uh, Peterborough, Ontario, there was, uh, there was three groups right in that little area, you know? Um, so that was cool. So I, you know, I played cymbals for the first couple of years. And then uh, as I watched, as I watched uh, the snare drummers play on my cymbals or whatever back then, I would be like, I would then, you know, pick up the sticks and try to emulate whatever the hell they were trying to do, right? So that's kind of how I, I, I learned. It was all by rope for the most part, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, that reminds me too of like, I mean, you see videos of like little five, six-year-old kids. I mean, they're just emulating and it, it makes sense. Did you Sponges. have anyone in that pocket or area that kind of, facilitated or influenced or mentored you to help you kind of cultivate those skills or was it just kind of like let's see what let's see how i can uh do this myself i uh, sorry you cut out there one more time uh was there anyone that like kind of helped facilitate or mentor your learning oh yeah um back then uh, my early days uh, i had the privilege of being taught by uh, the blanford family and uh, it was Larry and Mark, and then his brother. I marched with his the brother Scott, and uh, learned a ton of different things back then. You know, um, just through, and and they they were part. Of, they they came from the Seneca Optimist and the Oakland Crusaders back then. I don't know if you've ever heard of those names, but I've heard like Oakland Tom, Crusaders, but never the first one. Yeah, like Tom Float taught the Oakland Crusaders, so there was some lineage there on what what he taught them. God taught to me as well at the same time in the, in the early 80s. And it was always chops first. That's kind of how I learned how to play. I played on a pillow, learned how to play all control, especially with mylars back, mylar heads back then. And everything was about control and, and chops. You know? Dude, so it was a lot, a lot of fun growing up. <laughs> Dude, if you got chops, you can, you can figure out a lot of stuff. It's a, it's a good foundation place to start. But uh, were you ever involved with Dutch Boy at all? Yeah, so after... Um, uh, I did uh, two years at the Crescendos and then two years at the Canadian Knights back then in my in my area, in the Peterborough area. And then the Blanfords moved to the Dutch Boy back in 83. And I ended up marching Dutch Boy um, for the next four years, 83 through 86. Oh, wow. And uh, we had some great staffs back then, too, that came through, um, um, <clears throat> including, uh, you know, Glenn Crosby came through and taught yeah. there for, uh, yeah. for a year. And... Um, uh rick gallagher i had a guy march 27th and um of course the blanfords were there my first year gus barbaro remember him gus barbaro came and taught name yeah um he came uh, and taught in 83 um but yeah a bunch of guys kind of came through that um that program it was well, pretty neat i, I was curious because i've i've known two people that started at dutch boy and then, so the guy that I said before we started recording, the guy that taught me how to drum was a cadet from the early 90s. He had marched Dutch Boy the summer before. So there was a yeah. handful of Moorhead State guys. Uh, yeah. I think J.J. Pipitone ended up marching yeah. Dutch Boy before. Oh, um, I marched J.J. I marched okay. with J.J. In, in 86. He actually played snare. He came and marched snare with us. <laughs> nice. Well, so I used to give him hell all the time because he wasn't the best snare drummer, but he was an amazing tenor drummer, right? Yeah. So DeMond <laughs> got cut from the cadets going up there with Eric Ward in 93. And then yeah. um, 
So Pipitone was at Moorhead with them. So he was like, dude, just come watch Dutch Boy this summer. So Damon went up to Dutch Boy with him. And then he ended yeah. up making cadets in 94 with Eric the following summer. And then another Dutch Boy connection, uh, guy Brandon Mooney marched Blue Stars with me for, for Unks in 2010. He was a Dutch Boy yep. kid. Yep. He marched Dutch Boy and then came down to Indianapolis for auditions and stuff. And so I feel like Dutch Boy has like fingers everywhere throughout the U.S. <laughs> drum corps activity, just feeding people from Canada all, all over the place. That's kind of well, yeah, ironic, I mean... that story about uh, um, JJ2, like <laughs> getting moved to tenors. I've heard another story about like a BD tenor player. And I, I think it was Sean Vega. Somebody told me that he had like originally tried out for bass drum and they're like, no. And then like played <laughs> tenors and no. was like, all right. <laughs> Or something. I, I don't know if that's true, but someone can validate that out there. Um, well, it's funny. I remember the year in 86, um, he would practice his individuals all year on tenor, and we'd be like, what is this guy doing? He's, one of the, he's a snare drummer. And we'd get to individuals, and he wins individuals. <laughs> <laughs> what that's hilarious. What are you doing all summer, man? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Dude. Yeah. So ta- tallying those up, that means you had eight summers or eight seasons. I don't know if it's full summers or what, but eight seasons before your last four that you yeah. spent at cadets. Yeah. yeah, by the time I went to cadets, I went to I went to the Garfield cadets back then. Uh, in 1987, I was 17, and I already had uh, six years of experience on snare drum, pretty much, um, coming in there. It's crazy. And uh, – yeah, I I had a ton of experience coming in, right? And uh, yeah, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> it's a obviously a very iconic uh, summer, a very iconic show, Appalachian Spring, fantastic yeah. music, a uh, very iconic line. And <clears throat> did you all kind of know early on that they were kind of? It seemed like they were taking a different approach as far as like the normal thing, like hey, we're not going to do the whole. Uh, bring the drums up front and have the big long drum solo. It seemed to be the style back then, but we're just gonna be super musical and run and gun and like this is this is gonna be us. Did it feel different at all, or were you just kind of like, uh, no? Quite honestly, when my first year there, I was barely hanging on to the rails. Man, it was like we worked the work ethic, um, and still to this day, I suppose with the cadets, but. The work ethic that I learned that summer um, was my foundation of actually really teaching later on, you know. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, Hannum's approach back then was about the music, right? It's about the music. It wasn't about the here, bring the drum line up and crank and do this. It was all about what the how it fit into the show, and uh, we just bought in, and, and nobody questioned anything back then. It was like we just bought in 100 percent and just do our jobs, you know. And that's what we did every day. We, we had that lunch pail mentality every day. Put the drum on, go. Here we go. You know, and um, we had such faith that if we do this well, then things will be paid off to us, right? And and, and ended up, obviously, it did, <laughs> you know. We, I, that, um, but... That's a common thing that I've heard talking to various people that have either been a part of, like, drum trophy winning lines or t- teaching drum trophy winning lines. They're just very adamant about nobody really thought too hard about it we like you just said like a lunch pail group just like wake up every day go to work don't think too hard do your job like i don't want to say no drama throughout a summer because it's a long tour people are going to get on those nerves sometimes but like you just go do your job you just go get it done let the staff do their thing if you're a member and vice versa trust the members if you're a staff and just go get go after it and good things are going to happen 
Yeah, you know, t- trust the process, you know, trust the process, go, go through, do what you need to do. I mean, even coming off the finals, you know, field, we were still like, man, I wish I would have done it. We were just so constantly caught up into mm-hmm. how to be perfect all the time and how, man, how can we get better? You know, we were just constantly driven that way all the Did way. Did you all play all Frisbee through. finals day? No. Is that so, where your no. brain was going, Evan? <laughs> no, but I do remember Tom Monks telling that story about uh, he said that he was just like I was trying to drill the drum line, drill the drum line, and like Hannah was like, "Dude, they got it. Just like, just let them chill out for a second. Like, let them play some frisbee or something." I don't well, know. I do remember the week of finals. Um, Tom was back then. Tom was the only guy, pretty much, who did the whole tour. It was just him. I think Steve Kiefer was our bass guy, and then we have uh, we I think we had one or two other guys who kind of floated in and out. But Tom was with us. From the beginning of move-ins through to finals. So Hannah needed to really separate him sometimes, like get away from them. <laughs> Go take a <laughs> break. Go yes. take a break. Yeah. Here's a bottle of Jack. Go sit under that tree over there. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Tom, he was literally up our butts every day, every minute of every rehearsal, pretty much. And and I gotta tell you, I, again, talking about that work ethic. That's where I learned that from. That's where I, that's my foundation of how I ended up teaching later on well, uh, to this day. You know, we always uh, knew at Stars in 2010 when Tom came out to battery sectionals and he was the one running it, not the techs. We knew it was like, all right, we're going to get our butts kicked right now. Get ready. <laughs> drink, drink some extra water before the block starts. Right. That, yeah. that was one thing that I always enjoyed about because um, you didn't always run the sectionals at crown right. when you were there right a lot of that was yep. zach and then that summer with jeff brooks but there yep. every now and then you would like get out and you'd be at the snare section and i always it was just a good change of pace because yeah. the rehearsals were always so fast paced because you didn't talk a lot uh you were just like you you played that wrong reset go back like reset go back reset go back like but it really allows you to build momentum and consistency um not just because you're doing the reps over and over, but I always felt like, you know, we're doing these reps so quick behind each other. This is actually how I feel in the middle of the show. You know, when That's I'm right. five minutes in, I'm not, I didn't get a two minute break before I did this rep because right. That's what I, I don't get that in the show. It's just go back, do it again, go back, do it again. And your heart rate's just jacked. But when you figure out how to do it that way, you figure out how to do it that way. You like actually roll that. Yeah, and things slow down for you in the actual show when it mm-hmm. actually happens. It actually slows down for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I learned all that from uh, Hannum and, and Unks pretty much. You know, Hannum was the guy who came in and he wrote the beats, but he would also take over rehearsal, very disciplined rehearsal. Um, and then Tom would be all over us in, in terms of work ethic and, and, uh, and uh, you know, just a great cleaner all those years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had great opportunities. Be- yeah, between the two of them, like, yeah. 87 and 88 uh, with, with Hannum, and then Unks took over in 89. Um, and uh, 89 is one of my fun years of cadets. Um, I, I consider it fun. I, half the snare line was Canadian. So we used to have these Canada-USA wars uh, during the day, like who would tick the most or who would who not tick. And it, the Canadians always won, I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you had the four great years uh, at cadets, obviously – um success in a competitive aspect and two of those from 87 and 90 was 90 yep. the stonehenge show 
No, 90 was uh, best of Bernstein. Oh, Stonehenge God. was like 98, 99. But yeah. That was, that was much later. <laughs> yeah, much, much later. But uh, yeah, first place in 87, first place in 90. And also Fred Sanford winners both those years, if I remember. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, well, what you described as your 87 year is kind of how I always felt about my 09 crown summer. That was my first year doing drum corps ever. Um, and yep. I didn't really realize how hard it was because I just assumed that it was supposed to be that hard because that's all I knew. Uh, right. After the summer, I was like, man, you guys show was so hard. You're just running. I was like, I mean, I knew it was hard, but I just thought that's what everybody was doing. I just, I don't know. This is what people 40 years before me have been doing. So here I am doing it. This is what I signed up for. Well, you guys, and I remember 09 uh, crown. I mean, you guys trusted the process for the most part, you know, and, uh, and we just, we grind, we, we, we put the grind on the whole summer with you yeah. guys, you know, every rehearsal, you know? Plus I had a chip on my shoulder because I, I was the second to last snare drummer contracted. So I was like, no, I got to prove You're going to prove it. You're going to prove us, right? Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm put, I'll prove it. <laughs> yeah. That's um, awesome. But, uh, so you have like, obviously this killer experience with some well-known legends and you're in just soaking up all this rehearsal and, and how to do things. Did you start teaching right after your age out in 1990, your first year, 91, you signed up with somebody? I did. Yes. Yeah. So, um, the Madison scouts, I started teaching, that was my first round with the Madison scouts, 91 and 92. And, uh, so Chris Thompson, who was running the Madison scouts at the time, percussion, uh, director, he was great friends with Hannum. They marched together. I think they marched together in, at the Crossman and taught together at the Crossman back in the in the late seventies, early eighties before they before they kind of split off. And um, so Hannum recommended me to uh, to, to uh, Chris CT over at Madison. That's when I started teaching there. So <laughs> those are pretty good lines too. Ninety one, ninety two at Madison. Some good things. Mm -hmm actually not very familiar with those years but i will be after this i'll go check it out i i love it was the city of angels uh if you know the city of angels both both those years okay. now in 92 i only taught up to about may um because real life set in i actually got it that was my first time i graduated college in 91 and i got a job offer uh, that had to start in may of that year so i had to i couldn't go on tour mm. actually I, I was able to do probably about five weeks on tour but that wasn't good enough for them they wanted to back then i you know you did the full tour it was like oh, you're doing stagger the staff like they do now yeah. usually. quite a far cry for <laughs> now like, yeah it's, it's it's all like it's all uh, teaching by committee nowadays right <laughs> yeah i have some questions about that yeah uh, yeah we can talk I about that yeah. i actually read about that just for obviously the current and there's a bunch sure. of people, like complain on the staffs have like 50 people. It's like, well, they're not there all the summer. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you went to Madison, then you ended up first year at star was what? 93 was uh, the star year. And uh, um, again, Tom Hannum talked to Hannum in the winter time and uh, was really there to add support, um, come in and I was going to teach. Uh, they had the flub section that year. And then, a snare tech once in a while and then i ended up teaching more snare that summer that's why i met colin uh him and i uh uh got to be good friends that summer and kind of being the young guys on the on the staff and uh he just aged out the year before and i was you know two years removed so um yeah had a great year in 93 and then star went to the brass theater in 94 and um i remember the uh at the time was like 
um, my wife happened to be marching the Phantom Regiment. And so I would, in 92, in that summer, I would actually then, go, though. yeah, my, my wife, was yeah, it was, I, and I, well, in 92, I got married in 93. So in 92, she was marching Ma- uh, Phantom because I was teaching at Madison. So the whole idea was we could hook up on Sundays of move-ins. Because <laughs> <laughs> Rockford and Madison were like, you know, a couple hours away from each other. So that was the idea. So um, uh, that's an amazing story. Say, so I would come I would come around in 92 because I was working back then. So but I still come and kind of hang out with her um, on tour. I would sleep in my car, basically, and, and kind of hang out with her. And I would be at Round Fam's rehearsals. And I wouldn't be going to watch the color guard. I would go and watch the drum line playing, right? Yeah. And uh, that's where I got to know Jeff Prosperi. So Jeff Prosperi was running the drum line back then um, and uh, got to be friends with him because he would pick my brain as I'm sitting there. He'd be like, hey, what do you think of that? I'm like, oh, I think the left hand was a little slow there. Whatever, you know? <laughs> and then so we got to strike up a friendship and uh really in before after you know the start went to brass theater he asked me to come and help out at phantom at the phantom regiment um so that was uh that's kind of where i ended up i did i don't know probably five weeks that summer i think all right so you did five weeks in 94 and then did that ramp up 95 96 yeah so 95 uh jeff made me uh caption manager or caption head back then battery caption head and uh with jj actually jj pipitone was there at the time and uh frank chapel that's where i met frank chapel and uh l dunn yeah and frank's still with me after all these years uh <laughs> you know so crazy anyways um that's where we kind of met that had that team and then 96 um they gave me the opportunity to write so i wrote the battery that was my first year writing was the uh defiant heart I did not know that. What an iconic show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, I love Shostakovich so much. I just imagine writing to him because it's just, you know, it's so dark and it's so aggressive and just like deep and heavy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a lot of fun that summer. I, I, again, um, building upon the work ethic that I learned at the cadets and uh, just continued on, you know, um, with the Phantom Regiment and learning that at, at work ethic at the time and, um, and the funny thing that year, too, with those guys, like, so Tim Fairbanks marched that drum line, um, and a bunch of other guys, too. And uh, I, the reason I say Tim is because we, we teach together now still, you know, um, and right. I actually, you know, I judge a lot of his lines during. But during that year, uh, I started up uh, an indoor line back then, the Phantom Regiment indoor line. Um, it was like the Weeders, I think, was the name yes, of it way yeah, back then. Yes, yes, yes. And so um, my idea was I can actually have the same guys for 12 months, right? Have them for all winter and then have them all summer. And, you know, it's going to pay off in the summer for us. And that's that's what 96 was, was we we had most of those guys in that drum line all the way through. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for collegiate basic lines. Uh, because uh, yeah. people people started to do that. They're like, you know, we can get our guys like together independently, and we can right. drum. And like the WGI circuit kind of started to pick up more and more because yeah. in the early '90s, and then I would even say to like '98, '99, it was still indoor was pretty heavily involved with like PASIC and UNT Moorhead. Yeah, and a lot of yeah. Those. There was there was a there was a struggle right between the concert season and marching season, and and, and that was still kind of alive. But yeah, we. 
we'd started all these little independent drum lines started to show up there those years, you know, and that was, that was one of them. I used to drive to Rockford every weekend, every weekend, it's like a nine hour, yeah. about nine hours. For oh me. my every God. Weekend. Yeah. That's, like, that's, that's how you know you're passionate about something. You will drive nine uh, hours every weekend to do it. That's I think it's also right. a testament to the gas prices now versus them. <laughs> that's a very true statement. <laughs> very uh, true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, so you got your first writing gig, your first summer at uh, 96 Phantom Regiment. Obviously, went pretty well. Um, yeah. Then yeah. moving along, uh, ended up going I to moved over to the Glassman. From 97 yeah. to I went 2000. To the first place. I went to the first place to like the 12th place or 13th place drum corps. That year, I was like, I will say that the ending of I believe it's the 1999 Glassman show is still my favorite ending to a drum corps show of all time. <laughs> really, the whole horn line cuts off, and then you just have this paradiddle diddle shot to doom, yeah. goom, a little uh, tag, yeah, yeah. <laughs> phenomenal show, just great. Those are great years at the Glassman, and the Glassman there, the director, um, his name was Brian Hickman at the time. He was mm-hmm. he, I marched with him at the Cadets actually, he was a cymbal player. Uh, at the cadets and uh and he also marched in the pit and um so i knew him from that and cesario was over there as well and that's when they they got me over and we started rebuilding that program really right from the get-go that year 97 through 2000 and then um, it like when, wasn't the core like fourth place or something 99 i mean it was we got up to fifth i think fifth was the highest they got in 98 and 99 <clears throat> The drum line, we, we got the fourth, but that year we actually started winning some regionals. Like we were beating some people. And I remember that year I was like, wait, the Glassman just beat us? Yeah, like, what? Who, who won drums up? The, the Glassman? Yeah, the, yeah, we did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, those years and those shows, in fact, like 99 as a drum corps year in general is probably. That was a lot of fun. Was, if someone was like, Top two or three drum corps years, ninety nine would be in there, and probably two thousand three. So yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, you know, of note too, I had the same staff I was with Phantom in ninety four, ninety five, ninety six. They basically all followed me over to with Glassman. I was there in ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, basically. Right? That was that was like a huge connection. Staff um, so consistency. It was easy. It's important. Yeah, it was easy just to continue on. Right? Keep it yep. going. Yeah, yep. I mean, you have people around you that you know know your system you guys communicate right. you understand like when i say this this is what i mean or you yeah. trust each other you know each other you know, know how each other operates like yes yeah, it's, it's super yeah. animated you're not taking it personal like yeah it's just oh yeah like I, I just remember those days like frank jj al dunn we, we all just knew each other so well we just knew exactly what the other one was going to say or when i was upset about something they knew how to calm me down or you know, it was, it was, it's still like that today, actually, with Frank. <laughs> I only had a brief stint with Frank um, in 2010. We brought him on. I mean, the whole 2010 yep. crown season was kind of tumultuous, if that's the right word. But, yeah, it was. I mean, a, that was a rough one. Yeah, there was a lot of ups and downs and injuries and this and that, and just it was wild. And we kind of bring, brought Frank in as a, or I guess you guys did as a breath of fresh air to kind of light a fire under our ass and let's like let's finish this thing out. All right, here we go. You guys, do you remember that year? Uh, well, we'll talk about that when we get to crown years. But uh... yeah, yeah, we'll get um, all in good time. Let's not rush ourselves here. A lot of success at crown, uh, or a lot of success at the Glassman, and then yep. you made the switch over to Crossman. For and your I went to the Glassman. Yeah. So George, 
actually hired me at the Crossman. Um, you know, we were part of YEA back then, if yeah. you remember the, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, we, you know, I, I was there for, um, again, I think, uh, uh 2000 to 04, oh, 2001 to 04. Oh, 04 That's yeah, what yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we had some good drum lines there too. Like if you look at that 02 drum line, we did, um, Pete of the day and some methane stuff in there. There's some cool stuff in there. That was some fun shows to, to, uh, to write to back yeah. then. And then, uh, <clears throat> 05, 06, you hit your first stand at scouts, which were great years. Well, they did that Carmen show. Yeah. So Colin actually was doing the scouts in 05 and 06. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so in 2000 Glassman, I brought in Colin when he was let go from the crossman back then. So I brought him to, to the glassman now he took over the glassman after i left yep and then i went to crossman and then after i was let go by the crossman he brought me over to the madison thing for now i would have been now that was my second time at madison by the way just for the record <laughs> if you're keeping if you're keeping score at home here yeah. <laughs> my second time at madison and um that was 05 and 06 i would just help out colin you know in a consultant and being in there and checking but yeah, it's kind of important too because at 05 and 06 there, you got uh, Jeff Brooks in those lines. You got uh, Zach Schlicker who's helping teach with Colin. You got yeah. Mike Dowd who's in the baseline. Uh, yeah, those years who ended yeah. So Mike Dowd, Mike Dowd was my he marched in Crossman with me uh, on bass, and uh, Jeff Brooks also marched at Crossman with me. And mm-hmm. so yeah, we they came over to Madison with us in 05, basically. Yeah. And, and then yeah. both of those dudes, uh, Mike and Jeff end up teaching some stints at crown and obviously yeah. Zach later on ends up teaching yep. at crown as well. Yeah. Now uh, I yell at Jeff in the summertime when he judges. <laughs> so. <Yeah. laughs> so after the, after the kind of brief help out, uh, with the scouts, then you get like, uh, uh the gig at crown with Michael yeah. Kresh and all those guys. Um, yep. they were really trying to make some moves and, yeah, they had. I want to say like resurrect crown, but I would because I would just say try to put them in the spotlight. Yeah, the percussion was the weak link in their minds back then. Um, and uh, when I came in, I was basically to rebuild the percussion program um, from and and now I was there from '07 to '11, um, and basically just brought that drum line, shot it through the stratosphere, you know, try to get them again rebuilding learning knowing what i know how to do right um with mm-hmm. all the guys who, I, who i've taught over the years or you know i kind of filled the, the drum line up um or the drum staff up with those guys uh, by the way another note too is rudy started teaching with me rudy garcia started teaching with me yeah. in o2 crossman so I, I you know i added him with frank and and the, and the boys you know and so it's kind of like i just started adding on more guys and then by the time I got the crown, I had this huge, you know, I had Zach, I had a bunch of other guys from Madison, right? So there's a bunch of connections. So you, you, you kind of built this teaching roster, like throughout yeah. your, your career yes. of different groups and stuff. You're like, oh, we'll take these yes. two people from this core that marched for me, and then I'll give them a job here. And then now you're right. at a point where it's like, all right, I got a gig here. Let's let's pull. Who's available? Who's available? That's right. Zach, and there's Rudy, and there's James yeah. Sparling, there's Eric Kraft. James, there's, yep. There's this yeah, Eric yeah, uh, all those guys, we had connections, whether it was through Glassman, Crossman, Madison, all those years. They, you know, we, I mean, we we're just friends. You know, it didn't yeah. matter what at that point what core we were doing. It was more or less like, you know, let's do this thing together. Why don't we, why don't we build this thing at Crown? And 
And I remember at first, a lot of people were like, Crown, no way. I don't want to go to Crown because, you know, nobody wanted to do their drum line there, right? It was a, it was this whole faux pas. Hmm. And, uh, you know, with whatever weather, I don't know who came up with that, but I just came into that situation and uh, and we grew that thing pretty well, pretty quick. And yeah, I was pretty, seven, I, I'd yeah. say so. <laughs> I mean, I was Crown in high here. school and watched all of it, just the whole progression year to year to year. It got better and better. Yeah. I mean, it was, a lot of fun. Was, it was like fifth place, like yeah. right out the gate yeah uh, first year yep. and then oh four uh the finisho which is great um i think crown finished like fourth overall and maybe fourth in percussion yeah um and then oh yep. nine i think it's probably still to date the highest percussion finish that the cores had uh we finished second and yep. then i mean 2010 well i'll back up 2009 was i i feel like it was just a a good recipe and cocktail of ingredients from my perspective as a member. Yeah. And you had people like uh, Zach and Paul who were like kind of these like nose to the grindstone, this, that. And then you also had like Eric Kraft who was like this chill vibe and those people up in the, doing the front ensemble with Ian and uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Steve um, Ballard. And... Yeah, Steve Ballard and those guys just, yeah. it, and it was a good dichotomy of personalities that, that really worked. And I think the core was just really riding a lot of momentum and the show was obviously killer too. So that helps. I think if you look at 07, 08 and 09, I thought we worked together great as a staff just on the production value of the show. Like everything, if you looked at each of those shows, we had fun putting them together as the staff, you know, when yeah. we got to 2010, I thought we felt the pressure of it was almost winning the year show. before. Mm. Yeah, it was like, okay, well, now we almost run. Now we got to try harder on doing this as opposed to having fun like we were the three years prior, yeah. you know? Yeah. Thought and, too and much about winning. The, even from the get-go, yes. there was hurdles. Like, we spent oh, yeah. so long, even in camps, learning that Bernstein piece that yeah. never made it to the field. Uh, that was, was going to be our opener. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That was Mask. a kick. That was a killer piece, man. We were we were excited about that because there was a Dude. percussion feature in it, the whole thing. It was awesome. Yeah, we were throwing it down, and it, it never saw the light of day. Um, yeah. And there were yeah. several things like that. I mean, the whole uh, – the ending of the show, the original ending, got cut. Yeah. Um, and we went back to the Promise of Living reprise. Which... We didn't know what – we were just – we were trying to struggle how to figure this thing out, you know? Second yeah. chance. What does that mean exactly, right? Yeah. And then in, just in the drumline sort of thing, we had Ashley who got injured in the middle of the season um, who finished out with us, and I'm glad she did, but she moved up to the front ensemble and was filled yeah. in. Um, yeah. We had another snare drummer that had some mental health issues. I remember we yep. started 9, 5, and 5, and we yep. ended 7, 4, and 5 because one of the tenor players had a back yep. injury. He had herniated disc. And then even one of the bass drummers, bass, uh, bass 3, bass 4, it was originally Allen, and then he got replaced for Tim Norville in spring training. It oh, was I remember just, that. It was just yes. a wild summer. We're a lot. We had nine, <clears throat> then we went to eight, then we went back to nine, then we went to seven, then we went to eight, then we went back to seven. And like we were learning drumline drill. And I remember at one block, oh. uh, Andy Ebert was up there in a box, and he was like, he's like, what are y'all's dots here? And I was like, Andy, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I'll never forget so, my, my story back uh, on the we were on the uh, pavement in Salem, Virginia. The dog show. 
and we were on the, they gave the drum line the payment for the day. It was awesome. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, we're on the blacktop here. Um, and we had to remember, I closed everything down. I, like I, I was, I was making my own dots up back then. It was like, okay, <laughs> what are we doing so wide? So what are we are so wide in our sound here? Let's say uh, snares, bring it in a little bit here and crush it in. Like we were like making our own crap up. You know? It was crazy. <laughs> what, what's funny, was Evans, Evans walking through the saga of like up a snare drummer, down a snare drummer, down a quad player, all this stuff. And this is changing. I just know because him and I obviously went to college together and I was marching at Blue Stars that same summer. So I was yeah. getting like the play by play on a daily, weekly basis. Like this, this crazy thing happened today or like, so like everybody in the Blue Stars drum line was like, hey, crown, this was different. Like what, what's going on? Like they had one less person. Now they're back up and the, it was like a daily or weekly saga, like coming to me for the updates on like what's going on with Crown's battery or the percussion section. It was it was oh, wild. We was did all the details. We did the ending to the show in Atlanta, and that was the last time we did it. <laughs> is that why we? Is that why we beat you all in drums in Atlanta? Hey, no, that was a mis- <laughs> no, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Hey, hey, you texted me after that regional, and you goes. You were like, we were obviously, we were hype. We're the Blue Stars. Like, we just beat Crown at drums randomly. You all, you all been kicking our butts, like, the whole summer, as it should have been. You all were better than us. And and I'll, I said it at the time, and I'll say it here now, but, like, Evan texted me. We were on the bus leaving the the whatever stadium. And he's like, you know, that score's bullshit, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I 100% know it's incorrect, and you're going to beat us by at least a point tomorrow at the show. But we'll take it. It happened today still. So we're going to live with yeah, it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you... 2010. Then 2011, we moved on. And actually, you can tell we actually started having fun doing the show yeah, again. Yeah, definitely. You can, definitely. You, you can just see it was like, hey, let's put together a cool show, right? So, yeah, 2010 obviously had its, its ups and downs. But um, 2011, it seemed like it was a, a better, fresher approach to just, like, designing the show, like, Let's just get back to doing what we do and yeah. have a better experience. Yeah, we had a lot of fun um, putting that show together that year. Um, back to like we did the first three years I was there. It was like, okay, great. All right, let's have some fun. Let's put together what we think is a great drum corps show. And I think in the end, you could see that the kids were having fun and we were we were performing the crap out of it, right? So no, It was a cool show. It was definitely a cool show. Yeah. Definitely. Um, on a side note, 2010 was also the reason that – I did not age out of DCI officially. Uh, oh, nice. I, well, and it had nothing really to do. It was just a culmination of things like that summer. And I sure. was, I went, and, it was a beat down. Yeah, it was a beat down and uh, I wasn't going to March. And then at the last second, uh, my internship for the summer was like, well, you could probably do this. And so uh, I, I texted Tim Jackson because at the last second he was there with blue coats and rhythm X. I was like, Hey, I might be able to March this summer. He was like, we've got to come to camp this weekend. And I was like, well, I don't really want to because I don't know if I can march. And so I went to the camp, and then shit kind of blew up. And all the crown guys were like, we saw you on Facebook at the Blue Coats camp. And I was like, I don't even know if I can march this summer. Uh, which ended up I didn't because I couldn't march because I had to graduate college. But it was, right. was kind of wild. And everybody was like, <laughs> But anyway, so after your – after your crown stint, you end up at your third stint for scouts. Yeah, my uh, for those uh, counting at home, my third time back at the Madison Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, that was um, 2012, 13, and 14. In and, one of those uh, years, you guys were like fifth in drums. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the Army show. That was 13, right? 
Yep, 2013 was the uh, the Army show, the Band of Brother idea. Yeah. I think you had another Moorhead State guy in that snare line that was at school with me, Evan and I, Jamie Vilsack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Jamie's, like, down in Texas now. I know. He's, and, like, uh, something. He's like got a his college. PhD now and doing yeah. doctorate and doing all kinds of stuff. Good for Jamie. Yep. Yeah, we and had then... some fun there, too, because we brought that program up from, like, 13th and drums to, like, 5th, like you say. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, was, that was fun. Uh, that was fun while it lasted there. <laughs> and you and you, you and James were kind of back together again. Yep, James uh, became my caption head. He wrote some stuff as well. Kind of, we did, did a little tag team on that, and and uh, actually, James ended up taking over that program after I left. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to cadets uh, again. Colin called me up um, at the end of fourteen when I wasn't going back to Madison, and uh, you know, and then, then we got we ended up bringing three or four Madison kids with us in twenty fifteen um out there and uh yeah i had had a blast actually teaching back at the cadets i I haven't taught at the cadets since i aged out i never taught there so that was my first years going back to teach at cadets in 2015 and 16 with colin and then um uh colin left to go to uh, boston and then i left i ended up i actually consulted academy um with cisco who was my section leader at crown at crown he brought me in to help out his program at Academy. Um, that was 17, 18 Academy. And then Tom, I started talking to Tom and he brought me in to consult, um, with him in 18 and 19 at the cadets. So I started to get the, I knew the staff from before from 15 and 16 for the most part, but started to really get to know them in, uh, in 18 and 19. I'd say, then, that I'd say that helps a lot with, um, kind of where you are now. Cause after that 19 summer, you obviously went back to Crossman uh, for the second time, 21, 22, and even yeah, those keeping down at school at home. That's my second time back at the Crossman. No, so even actually, 21, 22, and 20. Oh, third time. Yeah, because I wrote the Crossman show in 2011 and 12, I believe. All right. 11, 12, 13, 11, 12, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think uh, that this is actually my third time back at the Crossman. <laughs> <laughs> Still at the Crossman, uh, still helping out, doing the thing there, writing. Um, yep, but, still writing there, building a program. Yeah, because obviously sure. you guys had a, a lot of good success in 2022. Um, the drumline playing really well, uh, making good sounds, high quality. Mm-hmm. I know the core is obviously the expectation is, hey, we want to try to get back in the finals, I'm sure, as anyone would. It's competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're all competitive. Um, but obviously building it in the right direction. So you're still going to hang around and do the thing with them and make sure that it, it keeps continuing that. I think there's yeah. a misconception around the internet that you're not. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still with the Crossman. I, uh, built the staff there. I built the team around there. Um, last year was really the first year coming out of COVID. Like we had no members who marched before everybody was a rookie. We're pretty much Wild. in, in the yeah. drum line and, and not even that not even any drum corps experience for the most part. Like there was that, nobody, you know, it wasn't like they were from other drum corps. This was like, we're starting fresh here. You know, that, that was my next question of if they're all Crossman rookies, are they all drum corps rookies? Cause that makes it even more impressive. I, th- I think I mentioned before we started, like I really enjoyed watching you all. Cause you, I felt like you found the right mix of there's beef where we can afford to put it. We're going to focus on fundamentals, sound quality, hitting the drum the same way producing a good sound and, and clarity. And we're going to write a book that might not be like a top six difficulty level drum core book, but it's still going to challenge this level of member 
we're going to play it well to a to the degree of where it sounds and comes off just more mature, just with more quality and just be have a level of clarity that makes us like stand out. Even if we're not playing all the crazy hybrid rudiments all the time and ramming all these weird rhythms, we're just going to make everyone better from the start of the summer to the end and just have a great sound and clarity. And I think it worked out great. I enjoyed watching you all every time I saw it. Yeah, thanks. I mean, you go into that season with a conscious approach of, hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to write everything I need. I could write, you know. Um, It's not going to be about me. It's going to be about making sure that these guys can play up to a great level, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. So that's kind of how I wrote the book. Uh, I'm glad you uh, you recognize that because that was – that was tough, you know. I, I, um, it was just tough knowing that I could probably write more for them, but it was tough because they couldn't quite play that yet up to a mm-hmm. certain level, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. clean is the best yeah, type. I would much rather play in a drum line that plays a little easier of a book and plays it plays plays the hell out of it, basically super clean, than play like a crazy difficult book and just have dirt everywhere, ticks flying. Clean was always the most fun thing for me to be in the middle of. Well, and, and I think as a foundation, we were just trying to, when you're building foundation, it's important to that everybody understands what clean is and what quality of sound is as a foundation first. You got to yep. get that first if you yep. want to go to that next level. And I think we got that level now, I think, mm-hmm. so we can move to that second level. Now, I see a lot of drum lines don't do that, uh, you know, with guys coming in or right or whatever. It's, there is no level of foundation. It's, you know, and they are playing more. Yeah, sure. But, yep. you know, is there that foundation there, you know? Yeah. So. And obviously, uh, let's see, 2000, was it 2021 there wasn't the season? Is that what it was? Yeah. The 20, uh, but, 20, uh, no, 2020 did not happen. 21 yeah, 20. was the short season. Oh, I was trying to look up the placement for 2021. I knew in uh, 2022 in semifinals, the drumline placed the lever, the percussion ensemble, sorry. Not yeah, the Come percussion on, ensemble placed in eleventh place, so made finals. We, yeah, we were yeah. we were there. We were actually as high as tenth, like in Allentown, mm. I believe we were tenth coming in. Oh. So you know, we were we were making strides. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you know, we were making strides. But you know, but, I, I think I'm excited for this year for the Crossman, and and I know that uh, you know Frank's Frank's heading it up over there at the at the Crossman. I'm excited for those guys, and we're gonna we're gonna you know bring a better second year. I think um, you know, and now now because we have. We have veterans in the line. We have a foundation now of expectations. You know, I think it's just going to get better. The culture starts to build. You have that that holdover from the previous season that can come back, and it all just year after year builds on itself, and consistency just grows. So obviously, you're you're working with the Crossmen, and also you're doing the gig with Cadets now, and that's your your kind of home core. You aged out there. You spent four great years there. You love the history of this. And for me personally, I feel like your writing style and your approach to the activity fits so well with the tradition of the cadets and what they stand for stylistically and a lot of the kind of run and gun and aggressive. And like, we're going to, we're just going to like kind of punch it down your throat at times. Um, And now you're, you're building your team and you've got like a great mix of some of the people that have been there along with some of the, some other fresh faces and just kind of take us through how the winter camps have been going. You can tell us the show title and everything about it if you want, but. <laughs> nice try. He's fishing. Yeah, He's so... fishing. Yeah. No, you know what? It's been, it's been great. Um, I hired pretty much the whole staff from the last couple of years that have been there. Everybody has is back for the most part. Um, I've added in uh, 
you know, Travis Peterman, who who came from Crown, who has some uh, D2 lineage and uh, CWP, uh, the Cadets Winter Percussion, when they had that. Um, also was taught by Tom, I think, from uh, at Blue Stars, right, um, at the yep. time. Yep. So there's some lineage there. And then um, I brought in James to uh, James Sparling, who was with me at Madison. But he also taught the cadets back in 09, 08, 09, yeah, something like that. He was there. Days. I'm pretty sure he was there the year they won 13. the Angels and Demons show. Or 11? 11. 11, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so there's some connection there. Um, and then, obviously, Jake Gull's back with the core. Um, I mean, it's like, I don't know. 20th year, 15th year, I don't know, something like something, something crazy. Sarah um, was taught is, there before. Yeah. So Fabian. Mm -hmm. um, yep. 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 Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then uh, you look at, and yeah, Sarah Fabian, who's a base tech, also March Crown with me. So duh, I'm going to keep her around and makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, but then the front ensemble as well, I brought in uh, uh, Monty. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and Monty marched the corps and also was doing crown the last bunch of years along with Anthony um, over right. there. And uh, I'm really excited about uh, the front ensemble. And uh, we kept most of the staff from last year as well uh, and brought in some other cadet uh, alumni to help teach there as well. So everybody has some kind of cadet uh, lineage here um, to try to keep this program. Now, obviously, the pressure is on me to make sure we keep this thing cranking and moving because of the tradition of the percussion ensemble at, at the cadets. Mm -hmm. But I think I, I think I understand that. I mean, I, I yeah. marched it, I lived it. I was here in 15, 16 and 18 and 19. So, you know, I, I am well aware of the demands on the percussion ensemble and uh, I'm looking forward to the, the challenges, um, you know, moving this thing forward. First couple of camps have been great, by the way, uh, to answer those questions. And Good. the show title um, is? <laughs> the show to tell is, is you'll find out sooner or later <laughs> when the press release comes out. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. A lot of good, uh, a lot of great collaboration so far. Um, that's one of the things I do like to talk. And you know, it's not just about me coming in and you're going to play this and we're going to do it this way. I want to make sure when I got guys like Jake and Travis and James in the room, I'm going to take all their ideas. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring this thing together as a team here. To move this thing forward i mean i'm really excited about that i think that that's pretty pretty key is to have people around you that just ask questions like why yeah why are we doing this yep. and then yep. you Keep have everybody to else honest. just you have to justify like we're doing this for this reason or in your head you're thinking why, why are we doing that like let's rethink that like let's sit down right um, that stuff makes all the difference in the world and then just being able to adapt and change and, and evolve what you're doing um, especially in today's climate and game where just the level of playing from all around is just so high. Oh, absolutely. And, and you, and you guys know, I judge, right? So, uh, judging in the winter time, I mean, when you, when you're judging those top eight or nine groups at, at WGI finals, I mean, you're nitpicking, you're, you're oh, diving yeah. in. I, I, do music, I do music every year and it's like, and then not, and I occasionally do that. We they rotate us around, obviously. But um, when I have the opportunity to judge that class, I mean, it's like you are in the trenches, man, trying to figure out who's how, who's what are they playing and who's playing it the best. You know? Yeah, you've been. I mean, we kind of glossed over that section, but you've been teaching or judging WGI since like '94. I think really started judging in '99. 
but yeah. the evolution of that activity oh. has just been crazy wild what's yeah, your what are your thoughts on that of just like the vocabulary or the show oh. design or like what i mean like think about it um even if i look at if i compare it to drum corps to to uh auditionees coming in to try out the comparison now compared to even 15 years ago to the level of talent that's coming through the door is is not even close it's not even close you know i i mean i i look at it now like we're so blessed uh in the drum corps community because of wgi in my opinion because of all the talent that is just cultivated for 12 months of the year now i mean well, it's crazy what i think is crazy <laughs> on that same note is i've said this before about like just the average of the activity just keeps getting better and better like the the middle ground oh, yeah. and you look at um, like you're saying the quality of auditionee the amount of information and practice things that are on youtube now that we didn't have even 10 15 years ago and kids have yeah, so much more exposure information i always think i think back to the level of player that i was when i made blue stars in 2010 my first summer of drum corps, all I'd done was an open class indoor group in Kentucky before that, and then one fall season at Moorhead or something. And I was not even close to the level of playing ability and sound quality that probably half of auditionees have, like the middle of the road at every top 12 drum corps now at every camp. Like it is so much more cutthroat to get these limited number of spots because of the yeah. level of talent just keeps getting better and better and better. And you see some kids that get cut from groups and you're like, I made this group nine years ago and you're way better than I was probably after I marched the summer. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, it's amazing now. And I mean, if there's any criticism, kids today come in, they know how to play a ton of different things, but maybe they don't know the foundation in terms the of the quality, quality you know, That's and you, right. <laughs> there's, there, there's some of that because you're not really learning that on YouTube. That's not cool. You're, you're learning how to the do hybrid the, rudiments and the, the weird, right. Okay. Yes. I was just having a conversation with uh, me and Mike have a group text with some other people and we were just having a conversation. It's like, man, like I, even when I was teaching a world-class indoor ensemble that made finals, like my critique with kids is like, we would start gritting stuff. and like, all right, you guys know flam drag grid. All right. Now let's do flam drag on two where we start with the accent flams on the second partial diddles on the third partial. And I was just like, what? what? I was like, all right, now let's <laughs> do it again. Diddle on one. Now let's move this. And like just the, the foundation thing was like. Brains explode. It's like, it's like, all right, let's play eight and 25. And instead of. Uh, this is what shocked instead me Instead of most. rolls, we're going to play eighth note check pattern. And then three, one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and three, 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 three. three. And like they they can play threes. But right. For a short period of time. eight bars. For a short like period right of time. And, and like, that's, that's you two. I was like, you guys have no chops. That's dude. Yeah. So Evan taught that group in thirteen, was it Evan? And then I taught the snare line at the same group in fourteen. Same thing. I actually took a couple kids for that about snare the group line. I taught 19, 20, 21. Oh, okay. Recently, this was years ago when I taught that group. But like, even in the fourteen when I taught them, like, I took a couple kids that could not like two high school kids that were from the high school Evan went to because those kids had a good foundation from the instructor that was still there that Evan had. And other staff members, like the guy running the group was like, you really think those two? I was like, trust me, they've got a better foundation of sound quality, rhythm, and hitting the drum the right way than the other two kids you all want to take. They might not yeah. know how to play all the flashy stuff or have like play roles at a role at 220, but I'll get them there. Like, just trust me. 
and I was yeah. shocked. Like the level of sound quality wasn't there, but they could play all this crazy stuff. It blew oh, my yeah. mind. I can play every lick. I know I can because I can play every grid you put in front of me. Yep. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, um, you were you were taught well, Evan. <laughs> Eric Ward, Justin Fisher, yeah. Chris Logue, those early Moorhead. I grew up eating guys. grids for breakfast pretty much in high school. <laughs> uh, but but on the I guess on the topic of like how crazy the licks and the arrangements have got, how do you feel like that has changed your arranging or the evolution of your writing style or trying to like keep up with the Joneses? I think, I think as an arranger, you have to be studying everything that's going on around you constantly. Um, and including the WGI activity. I mean, like I say, I, I have the opportunity to sit down in front most of the time and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm involved in, in seeing the evolution of the writing, um, throughout there. And, and then, you know, I, I was just, uh, last couple of weeks, I've been just watching drum corps, um, for the last two years and just watching everybody and seeing what they're doing, what they're not doing, you know, whatever, right. Just watching everybody's, everybody's doing something great out there. The percussion programs are amazing nowadays. It's, it's unbelievable. I could watch, I could watch the whole top 12 and go, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, yeah, okay, that's good. Everybody's got strengths, you know, all yeah. over the place. So, um, I'm excited as a ranger too. I, I sit there. I'm old school. I still write by hand, you know. I'm you know as, as some of the guys like to say. I have my my stone and my my chisel, you know. <laughs> um, but I like to play it, you know, on a pad and you know get an understanding of what how it's feeling in my hands, and then I'll write it out. And you know, I I, I like to do it that way. I'm still, I guess that's still old school. I know it's kind of crazy, but I like to play through the stuff to understand you know because i'm also a tech first i want to make sure we can clean this and it's going to be you know how how it's going to come from a tech's uh, point of view um and then obviously the player and making sure that it feels well and going into this sticking or what have you um but then i also talked about before the collaborative approach too like okay like for instance i just wrote the opener uh for the cadets and i sent it around to the the caption heads you know i sent it to travis i sent it to jake i sent it to james it's like okay what do we think man what do you, what about this what do you guys think of this right here you know and they would, we would go back and forth and to do we come up with a final draft and you know we sent it out to the the members so um, i think that's kind of that's kind of how it is with me in my world nowadays to make sure that we're all you know keeping up with the joneses if you will but also my thing is also the music needs to drive it. The music needs to drive what you're writing. It mm -hmm. can't be crazy that it's, it doesn't make any sense. I, I got to make sure that it's going to make, you know, in certain parts of the brass is I'm supporting what the brass is doing. And yeah. Maybe, maybe it might sound boring from a battery standpoint sometimes, but I'm supporting what the brass is doing. That's what the most important thing is. There is the ensemble, you know, so you got to kind of, about... you got to pick your, Pick your spots. You we've, know? I mean, we, we've had we've had Unk say that on here. Macintosh, Skojo, like all all the greats and stuff, said the same stuff. To, just like you just said, like just about the show, the product, the final product. It's all got to work together the right way. It's not about right. any one subsection being able to shine they we, the way they need to for X, Y, or Z. It's like, are we putting together a cohesive, competitive, enjoyable package? That's right. And that's what the most most important thing is. Yeah, I don't. I try not to get locked up into, yeah, but they're doing this. Like, okay, that's great for them. I want to make sure we're doing what we're doing, you know? Um, like I said, I'd like to study other groups of what they're doing, but I want to make sure we have our identity of what we're doing, you know, yeah, if that definitely. makes any sense, you know? I, I, Keep going. I'm going to grab a beer. 
I can't remember if this was like I, I feel like I one hundred percent heard you say this too, uh, so you can validate it. But <laughs> you were talking about us one summer and this and that and we were drumming and you're like, Well I put it on the page, I wanna hear it. Uh but I feel like that idea is still in existence in drum corps, but also it's shifted a little bit based on like just the rule changes and how they happen and how people derange. Do you feel like that creeps into your mindset at all when you're like thinking about like, where's the battery stage? Like we can take some risk right here, but also oh, sure. maybe, maybe this isn't a section we want to spend like 50% of our summer working on. So, well, it's, it's funny, you know, um, I remember battling this when we were going through the judging, if you want to talk about judging for a second, like, you know, when, when we took the guy off the field, the, the judge off the field and he can only go and come up. So we got to come up to the front now to present whatever you're doing. And then it's so crazy. It's like, I can't believe we're even in that doing that nowadays. Um, I'd rather just, I, I, I really go to the show first and then obviously you got it. If you want to be competitive, you have to think of those times where you're coming up to present and then go back again to be yeah, in the ensemble. So I've almost I, I seen, I've almost seen yeah. some moments in this new world we live in from a judging standpoint and the show design realm we have to live in now or designers. I don't design shows obviously, but uh, there's times where it's a little awkward to be where like, it's almost like everything gets out of the way. All right. It's time for our indoor drum line moment on the drum, on the drum core field, instead of it all kind of flowing seamlessly. I don't know. I've seen moments like that where I'm like, Oh, so now we just have indoor for the next 40 seconds and then it'll go back to drum core here in a minute. It's just, I don't know. It's so important to me to make sure it makes sense with the overall program of what you're trying to do, or it's going to mm -hmm. sound forced. It's just yeah. going to sound forced. Right. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the good groups do that. They do that. Well, they, mm -hmm. they, they, they present the, the program the way they should. And, uh, so, you know, that's, that's kind of, you asked about that. I think somebody brought up one time, like, you know, when, when we brought up this judge, like, somebody was asking me so how are you going to write now when they're behind the brass i'm like i'm going to write more notes now because nobody cares <laughs> nobody, nobody cares what they're doing back there yeah. now now we can play what we want back you know it's going to be like okay let's try this you know hell yeah <laughs> well, I, i'd That's rather hilarious. go that way i'd rather go that way than you know being tacit or or not you know playing eight notes to keep everybody in time whatever you know i'd rather maybe, do that you know? yeah maybe now we can use it as a section of like can we actually do this shit or not yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. test it there we'll test it in this part of the show then we'll put it yeah. in a feature later once we know they can do it and then put some easy stuff back there afterwards god knows what the ensemble will sound like <laughs> oh <laughs> man <laughs> i died I, I i really support the, it's about supporting the music and the brass and, and the front ensemble whatever we're trying to do and not like trying the, to be forceful, you know? Do you feel like the, the rule change has, like, uh, adjusted your amount of conversations with the uh, visual staff and drill design team? Uh, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, of course. Uh, you, you have to be on the same page of what you're doing and how you're being evaluated. Right. You know? And they got to know, hey, when we have a percussion feature, you can't put them on the back hash. Right. Yeah. Um, unless you're trying to do that to hide it something. Because <laughs> the know? rule, the rule is like six feet or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at first it was going to be no, not on the field. I'm like, well, what if the drum line comes up? Can we not put them on a couple of feet? But uh, at least, yeah. at least they can do that. But yeah. you know, and I get yeah. it. It's a it's a health and safety thing. And I mean, it is crazy. I, you know, when I go out, I do Just... run after the kids. I go out there and run. Uh, at times to figure, you know, so I can get in there. It's, it's kind of crazy nowadays. Just have two judges. 
at regionals and finals. Just have a field judge and a, or a battery and a front judge. There it is. Well, we used to have two judges. Yeah. We used to have yep. two judges. And yep. for exactly that reason, and then one of the years, all of a sudden, it went away. I don't know what happened, it, but... Yeah, and I just whatever. saw somebody propose the rule that they change the music analysis judge, the second one, to like an overall. Brass. Like, yeah, well, brass. They, I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, my, my thought there was like, okay, if you're going to do that, then let's have the percussion ensemble guy back again, you know? Yeah. We talked to Scott. Like, so, no. we, so we talked to Scott Johnson on the previous episode before this one, and he said something that I had never thought about. And it was so simple. And he said, look, why this is this is a type of percussion ensemble you literally cannot hear in any other area, avenue, arena on the planet. This level of marching ensemble, front ensemble, battery. Why are we screwing this up? Why are we not giving the right evaluation level to make sure we are the best group is going to win every year from a design playing, give members credit they deserve. This is the only place you can see this. Why yeah. would we not want to highlight this as something that's like, you're not going to get, you can see really high level dance and movement choreography elsewhere. You can see phenomenal wind ensembles elsewhere. You can but, even see phenomenal percussion ensemble, like literature, but, but not, not this style of percussion, percussion ensemble. ensemble. No, this you're is right. it. This is the pinnacle. Why would we yeah. not want to do this the right way from an evaluation standpoint from a highlighting it in the activity standpoint, like it just. I agree. I, I'm, I agree with Scott. I agree a hundred percent. In the, I'll use this to segue. Um, so we're talking about like the demand and we're still, I feel like still people are writing, like you're writing, everybody's writing to just like, if you want to present the best musical package, you're going to do what you think is right, regardless of what the rules are. Um, so modern drum core requires certain things and part of that is writing part of that is rule changing and part of that is staffing and you had talked about how like back when you were there in 87 like Tom was there yeah. all the time yeah and now we have like these massive staffs and people are like oh my god drum corps are spending so much money on these staffs like they have 50 people on the percussion staff it's like no 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 these right. people aren't, it's not 50 people yeah, for 82 days straight. Yeah, it's, like if I, I have, you know, I might have three three snare techs, but I have one snare tech budget, you know, that they divide between three people. Yeah. It, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's not like we have snare tech budget times three. No, 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 no. It's one snare tech budget divided by three. So yeah. they're not making, you know, tons yeah. of money because yeah, of the time. Yeah. In, in, I would say overall, nobody's getting rich doing this activity for sure. No. Um, and people see that as like, oh, the Vanguard, like, well, look at their staff budget. I'm like, eh. there's more to it than that. And that's sure. all I'm going to say. Um, but obviously, how important then becomes the communication level between you and your staff and like how you guys are talking with like so-and-so is about to go off tour and so-and-so is about to come on tour. Like yeah. that, that has to go through the roof. Yeah. I like to, um, I try to do overlaps too. Like, um, you know, like for instance, this summer we're, we're kind of talking through like, you know, this guy's going to do three weeks and this guy's going to do three weeks. So then, you know, that, that week they're going to cross over 
so they can kind of start to understand where it's going. It's not just going to be yeah. he's in on Sunday, he's in on Monday, or he's out on Sunday, he's in on Monday. Have at it. You know, it's got to, there's got to be some kind of dovetailing uh, going on to make sure we're on the same page. The other thing is, is you got to make sure your staff's all on the same page in the wintertime as you're going through oh, yeah. the teaching, teaching techniques in winter. So it's important to have as many staff at the winter camps so you can get on the same page there before you get to move-ins and, well, you know, that's super, nitty -nitty. that just seems super important. Cause this, those camp, the camp season is where you establish, like, here's how we're going to play and we're going to try to establish how, then you, I think of it as you do that in the camps, spring training, you take what you established in the camps as the approach to hitting the drum, for example, and we're going to make it consistent. We're going to just ingrain what we established and taught you in the camps for a month straight, learn the show at the same time, apply it to the show music, and then we're going to yeah. refine, clean, and, and do what we need to throughout the tour to try to be as competitive and as successful as possible at the end. So, yeah, being on the same page in the camps seems like almost one of the most important parts of the season yes. going from month to month like that. And, and honestly, adding to that, and this is what the uh, you know, pandemic kind of taught me, is we can have these Zoom sessions and we can do them weekly if you want. You can do you know, video sessions, way more video sessions now where you, you don't just come to the camp and not have any instruction between each camp. Now it's like you have a camp, then you have this week's assignment, that week's assignment leading up to the next camp. So when you get, you just keep on going. Yeah. You know, uh, so we're using technology to just keep on, keep on cranking ahead. You know, it, it definitely um, kind of drives out the last minute prep for camps. It's like, well, you yeah. have to, you got to you got to put your you got to submit your video on week whatever to prove that you <laughs> learn you learn this stuff, not oh, you're yeah. trying to figure it out in the car. If I told you I and, learned some stuff on the way to camps in right. in a car as a passenger. I'd be yeah. lying if I said I never did that. I have a great yeah. insert for that for a guy who texted me earlier, which is uh, Brian Beyer, who told me to tell you hi. But <laughs> he was notorious for learning shit on the way to camps. He was like, oh, I just learned it in the car. I'm like, oh, my God. I love ice cream. <laughs> we all do. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He he was a he was definitely a, a positive vibe in the 09 summer. But, yeah, I mean – the technology makes people more accountable, which is great. I mean, we all need accountability in life. Like you just don't procrastinate yeah. for school, work, drums. I mean, I mean, whatever it is, I always tell kids that I teach lessons to, uh, they come back and I'm like, how much you practice this week? And they're like, well, I, I looked at it today. I'm like, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. I'll know, yep. in, I'll know in 10 <laughs> seconds here, how much you practice, yeah. but. Well, the other thing too, is you don't have much time from the beginning of a season to move-ins. If you yeah. think about, you have, especially now because of all the, everybody involved with WGI lines, mm -hmm. you have maybe two camps where you really have your drum line together until April, Yeah. you know? So, and then the April camp becomes this huge thing onto itself before the move-in. So it's like really three camps before move-ins, which is what's that like, you know, six days, yeah. maybe not even seven, eight days at the most. Got like, Maybe a November. Well, everybody does such satellite camps now, so you got yeah. like December. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a January, and then April. April. Yeah, so that's nine, it. Nine days, maybe. Yeah, so you better be doing things uh, in between and making sure you know you're, you know, getting everything done. So when you hit move-ins, you're ready to go. You know. I've always said this, and I tell the high school kids that I teach, um, and I feel like this aligns with any sport or any activity. It's like 
you can't win a you can't win a championship in preseason. Obviously, that's not when the game happens. That's that's not when the adjudication happens. But you can certainly lose one. Oh yeah. Uh, if you're just not doing the right things, and in that saying, isn't meaning that you know winning is everything. But it's just saying like you can't like mess around in preseason and expect to just have this great like awesome thing happen at the end of the year. It's like, no, you got to work the whole time. You got to, you got to build up to it. <laughs> right. So. Right. Yep. Trust the process. Trust, Trust the, process. the process. Every professional sport, college sport, high school sport, drum corps, everybody. Yeah. Just, it applies everywhere. It applies everywhere. Just like 1987. Trust the process. You might get a perfect score. <laughs> that's right that's right that's how yep. it works <laughs> crazy 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 dude that was a full circle comment right there i'm yeah. pretty proud of that it's like a dave Chappelle stand-up <laughs> comedy like brings it back to the joke starting 30 minutes beforehand uh well is there anything win, we didn't touch win, on you guys did win semifinals and finals that's all i'm saying yeah what's that sorry i said you guys did win semifinals and finals so it was pretty cut and dry in my opinion yeah, yep. In eighty in eighty seven, we actually got a perfect score like two weeks before finals. Huh, did not know that. That's when it became like, hey, we could actually maybe get a perfect score this year. That's when it became like, whoa, oh my god! They've done really? it once. If we if we give them if we give them the goods, they'll do it again. Now they've shown they're willing to. So that's yeah. wild. That's yeah. everybody. That's what everybody strives for. Perfection. Yeah. Perfection. Well, Lee, do you have anything else you'd like to plug or add? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for the opportunity to talk about my illustrious career, as you put it. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah. Uh, I've been around, so but uh, I, I appreciate to talk about it because it reminds me of all the great people I've taught with over the years and who have taught me over the years. It's kind of great to go back to memory lane and kind of think of all those. And um, obviously, um, I'm excited for the Crossman this year. Um and I'm really excited about the cadets right now and have the opportunity to uh, keep the legacy going um, with all the greats that were before me who uh, wrote for the, for the Corps. So um, I'm excited. So that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited well, to see it. I'm stoked for this summer. And indoors, it's right around the corner too. Obviously, it's, uh, it's impactful on the kids that are there and what they do. I mean, if you look behind me, there's two Lee groups. There's the, the Green Base Head. In my shadow box nice. with my uh, my silver medal and my 2010 uh, feathers and stuff back there. I mean that stuff means a nice. lot. I don't I don't teach anymore, but I mean the activity gave so much to me. Like you talked about work ethic and just how I approach my job and my life. So I applaud all the kids that are out there auditioning still or who got contracted and the ones that will get contracted to come and the ones that just put themselves out there to audition. I mean, it's just, I think it's an incredible activity and in what it does for, for your mentality and your ability to just put yourself out there as a person and like get critiqued. And yep. I can't wait to see DCI 2023. So, yep. Awesome. All right. Oh, well, we'll have to hook up. We'll do one of those, uh, those post uh, game reports. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yes. yes we will. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. Remember, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're on there watching the video portion of the interview and hang out and uh, like the video if you liked what we did. If, um, Facebook, Instagram, this was a great time. Lee, thanks for hanging out. 
I'm sure we'll see you at a WGI event this year or DCI next summer. But uh, yeah, we will see everybody in the next one. Awesome.